Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. Here, we're here to connect readers and authors so that the readers, you, can find that book or that author you're going to love. So I appreciate you being here. Get ready. Enjoy the show. Enjoy knowing the authors. And remember, subscribe. Tell people about the show. And go buy the author's books because if you like listening to them and you think they're interesting, they're going to love hearing from you. So this is Author Blurb again. I'm here with Jessica Flory, and we're here discussing her new book. Now, her book just came out when, I think, two days prior to the air date of this show. So if you're listening to it a couple months down the road or whatever, at the time of this interview, your book's two days old, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. Jessica, I appreciate you being here. I'm looking forward to it. I've read the reviews through Goodread and through the different places your book are, at least right now, listed. It looks like you have a lot of people that enjoys the book. It's yeah. a YA fantasy. And mm-hmm. forgive me, YA, from my understanding, you have a, have a lot of romance and adventure and all this. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gets me a loss a little bit. I've enjoyed the shows, but, or I've enjoyed some YA stories, but I would never in my lifetime be able to write one. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about yourself, about your books and what's coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So my book is called Oceans of Sand. It's the first in a duology. So there will be a second book. I'm working on that right now with my editor, actually. Um, but it is, it's a story in and of itself. So you can read just it and enjoy it and stop if you would like. Because it always bothers me when authors leave you on a big cliffhanger. So I made sure not to yeah. do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's my debut. It's the first book I've published. And I wanted to publish a book since I was a kid. So I'm really, really excited about it. It really is a dream come true for me. And yeah, it just, it's a very exciting time. I get little butterflies every time I think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely understand. I knew when my first book came out, it was kind of a exciting and oh gosh, and all this (laughs) stuff. So congratulations on the first book. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. So what made you decide to write YA, YA (laughs) fantasy actually? Yeah, yeah. So I love I love fantasy, right? It's it's what I read a lot growing up. It's what really made me fall in love with reading. I just love the creativity that fantasy allows, really. Like you can do anything, right? The sky's the limit, your imagination's the limit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of why I'm drawn to fantasy. Young adult, I really love writing young adult because of that time of age. It's just such a unique time of age where you're really learning who you are, deciding the path for your life um, and who you want to become. So I love, I love writing about that, that discovery and that journey. Um, And I really love to put that into my books, characters, learning who they are. Um, I actually tried writing an adult novel, adult and adult fantasy was the second book I wrote. Oceans of Sand is the fourth book I've written. It's the first one to be published. Um, yeah, (laughs) so this, the adult book just didn't, it didn't work for me quite as well. It didn't, didn't resonate with me as much. I didn't enjoy writing the characters as much. So I've definitely decided that young adult is the way to go for me. And it's what I enjoy reading the most as well. Understand. Well, 
the young adult fantasy, like I said, I've enjoyed quite a bit of different young adult books, TV shows, thing, or mostly movies, things like that. What? So what is it about your book that you have that's going on there that makes people sit there and go, because you have something there that people are enjoying. Mm-hmm. It's set in a desert, mm-hmm. and it's obviously with, oceans of sand there has to be a huge desert in it there's there's a lot of sand (laughs) yeah so what is it that made you decide okay this is the story i have to write what what brought that story out and what's behind it that is a good question so the idea for oceans of sand really came from when i was just kind of in between books trying to figure out what i wanted to write next And so I was doing a free write writing prompt and the writing Mm -hmm. prompt was write about being alone in a vast space. So when I do free writes, I kind of just go with what immediately comes to mind. um, Just kind of let my brain go free and not self edit or anything like that while I'm writing. So I just started writing about, you know, the desert, the desert is what came to mind first and being alone in the middle of just sand and like surrounded by sand and what that would be like. Um, And this girl kind of came into my brain as this character and she was just traveling in the desert on a mission to save her people. And so the idea kind of expanded from there. Um, And I kept going with the, the notion of being completely alone, what that would be like. And so my main character, Nora, she is actually the only one in her village or the world, as far as she knows, who does not have a sand gift, which is the magic of the land. So she's the only one without uh, a magical power. Um, And so uh, there's a strong theme underlying in the book of being alone and kind of finding yourself when you feel different and isolated. All right. So this sand gift, what what kind of magic occurs with the sand gift? I mean, is it they control sand? Is everyone's gift the same? What what's I guess the best your magic basis in your story? Yeah, good questions. So I kind of did some research when I was thinking about what the magic would be like about what you know what you can do with sand. Where does sand come from? Why do we have sand? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are there are what's called shakers in my book. They can move the sand, manipulate the sand, kind of fly around on the sand, which is fun. Um, And there's what's called forgers. So forgers can take the sand and manipulate it at a basic level and turn it into quartz. So in my research, I found out that uh, sand, when hardened sufficiently, turns into quartz, which I thought was really, really interesting. So I made sure I wanted to work that into the book. Um, I also have what's called extractors as another piece of my magic system. So they can kind of take energy from the sand. They use it to become stronger, faster. Um, there's a character in the book who uses it to kind of sustain his heart and he would die without the ability to extract energy from the sand. So that was also very fun to write. Um, and then the last sand gift is called absorbing where people can take, um, life energy from the sand and use it to heal others. So that's kind of the basis of the magic in my book. All right. And there's also a class system, if I understand it too, with, um, According to some of the reviews and things I've saw where certain classes or certain people with or without abilities not allowed to be with people that of 
other classes or abilities and things like that. Is that correct or? Um, that's that's close, and yeah, I'm sure you, there's um, people saying things like that in the reviews. Um, but yeah, so Nora is actually the only one without a sand gift, my main character, right? So right. everyone is born with a sand gift. There are varying degrees of strength, right, that you are kind of born with inherently. So if you're a very powerful sand gift user, you're going to be kind of a leader in your community, you know, respected and looked up to. If you're not quite as powerful, um, a little bit looked down on, maybe. So yeah, there is a bit of a class system structure structure inherent in that. Okay. Now, with Nora being your main character, mm-hmm. what is some of the being in the world around people with all these different gifts, her without hers, what are some of the things that she has to look at without giving too much of the story away, obviously? What's some of the challenges she faces in her life, even before the story begins, that this is causing to her? Yeah, great question. Um, So that was a question I asked myself and really dug deep when I was thinking about her character, what this would be like. Um, Of course, she wonders why. Why do I not have a sand gift when everyone does? And that kind of torments and haunts her. Um, Her dad died three years ago at the start of the story. And if she had had a sand gift, she would have been able to save him. Right. So that guilt um, definitely follows her around and makes life generally hard for her. Um, Her mom, she has a very strained relationship with her mom. Her mom thinks that if she worked harder and pushed herself harder, she could eventually develop a sand gift. And Nora kind of pushes back. She says, I'm tired of trying to be someone I'm not. I'm tired of trying to figure this out. Like, I just want to learn who I am and accept who I am. Um, And so there's a lot of strain in her relationship with her mom, which comes up quite a bit um, in the book. Um, She, you know, suffers at school because she's different. She's teased at school because she's different, which is, I think, something that a lot of people can relate to. I think at one point or another, we all kind of feel (laughs) like like we're different, right? Um, And so I wanted Nora to be a character that a lot of people could relate to and root for as she overcomes this difference and learns to accept herself for who she is. All right. Now, what kind of world is this set in? As we said, it's set in a desert, but is the world set as a desert or is it kind of just this region? And what do we expect out of this world that you're building? That is a great question. I had a lot of fun with the world. So my degree is actually in molecular biology. I love science. <laughs> and all right. All the writing or all the writing classes I've taken were just kind of on the side, like in college. It wasn't my main focus, but but because of that, I learned a lot, a lot of fun things that I can kind of play with as I'm designing worlds and magic systems and so forth. Um, so I really wanted to kind of mess with the physics in this world. So I right. put the moon really, really close to the planet's surface and made the mu- the moon huge, and just kind of thought like, what would happen? <laughs> If the moon was so close and so big, big enough to the planet's surface um, that it actually pulled the sand into waves, right? Mm -hmm. So that's called oceans of sand because literally to save her people, Nora has to cross the ocean of sand in a boat, right? And she needs her best friend, Zadok, who is a shaker. He can move the sand 
to propel her across um, the ocean of sand in this boat, which is where the romance comes in, of course. Right. Yeah, so I had a lot of fun with this world and kind of figuring out what would that be like if the moon's gravity was so strong that it actually pulled the sand into waves. Um, and it's very treacherous. If you fall overboard, you're pulled under immediately and you're going to suffocate and it's going to be really miserable and horrible. Um, and at one point, they actually reached the ocean of water, right? And so what mm -hmm. is water going to look like if the sand is being pulled into waves? What's going to happen? you know, at the ocean of water. So it was a very fun world to design and to play with. And I had, I had a lot of fun with it. So they actually live on plateaus, like big juts of stone, right from the ocean of sand. So that's how they survive almost on like these islands of plateaus. All right. So now with that, is it, I guess on these plateau, these rock plateaus, I don't mm -hmm. picture a lot of plants and animals there. Do you, what is, is there creatures in the d sand? What is kind of the, there's a lot of times you have to think, okay, you're getting supplies, you're getting this. Mm -hmm. Do you go into that or is it kind of a side Id idea? It's a little bit of a side idea, but obviously the survival of the people is important. Um, so they do have, you know, your typical desert plants, cactuses, lizards, you know, camels um, that they rely on for their food and um, nourishment. But a key part of the book is that there's been a famine, you know, which is fairly common, but this famine has been a lot worse than others and has lasted for a really long time, um, which is what kind of sets Nora off on her journey. So she goes to find an artifact that could end the famine. All right. So that's how her journey starts. Where, if I open up your book to begin with, where am I starting in her journey or in the story itself? Yeah, good question. Um, and I, yeah, me and my editor played with the beginning a lot. <laughs> it was a little bit tricky to find where to start the story, but eventually we ended up starting the story. Nora and Zadok, her best friend, are right in the ocean of sand. They haven't started their journey yet to find this artifact that could save everyone. Um, but things are tough. Tensions are high. The famine's pretty bad. So Nora loves to sail. She loves sailing. She loves being on the ocean of sand. She's really, really good at navigating by stars. That's kind of like her superpower, which is partially why it's up to her to sail the ocean of sand. She's one of the only ones who can actually navigate it, right? When you're surrounded by sand, you got to be able to tell where you're going. Right. So it starts off, yeah. So it starts off with her and Zadok in the middle of the ocean of sand. They're sailing on this boat that her dad actually named after her. Um, they're not supposed to be out there because Nora's mom doesn't like her going out there. It's dangerous. Um, but she loves it. She can't stay away. So they're they're in the middle of the desert on the ocean of sand, sailing, um, and a sandstorm hits. An unexpected sandstorm, which is also part of kind of a clue that things are going wrong in the world because normally they can predict sandstorms, sandstorms, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> so Zadok, he is a shaker. He's got to save her um, from this desert storm. So from the beginning, you get clues to, to what's coming, right? Which is important at the beginning of any story. Right. You've got the adventure, you've got the setting and you've got the hints to the romance. So. All right. And, what is it that actually, I mean, I guess, do you get into like a, 
cultural issues? Do you get into like what is some of the things that people find going through this book, through your book? What is it that's going to do you think draws the people in? Is it the romance? Is it the adventure? Is it a mixture of all of it? What is it that you either heard from people or what so have you? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback um, on this book, which has just made me like glow. I, I love it. It's been one of the best, best parts of, of getting right. it. Uh-huh, yeah, but people people really love Nora and Zadig. I've heard that a lot, that their romance um, is really, really fun for people and very genuine, very relatable. And you get, you get attached to these characters. So you're going to love these characters. The setting, of course, is very unique. Um, and super fun and a big part of the story. Um, and also the adventure is just fantastic. I've, I've gotten feedback that my ending is very, very gripping and kept people up late, which is good. You like to hear that. <laughs> <as well. laughs> right. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Sorry. So the, the romance actually. Um, so when I was designing the romance, you always want there to be a good reason that they can't be together. Right. Something right. To overcome. Um, and so I actually built into the magic system that love weakens the magic. And so Zadok is very, very strong and his sand gift is needed right now because with the tensions high and with the famine hurting everyone, kind of war is looming on the horizon. He needs to be able to be strong to defend his village. Um, and so Nora and Zadok, even though they really care for each other, they've been best friends since they were little and have grown to love each other. They have to, they have to keep their feelings at bay. And so as they're traveling across this desert to save their people, they really, they cannot act on their feelings. They have to shove it down. They have, they cannot feel love for each other. So that's what's kind of keeping them apart that they have to overcome. And I've, I've heard from a lot of people that they, they liked that and that their journey was fun to read. I think that's an interesting concept, a world that love makes you weaker. Mm -hmm. huh. yeah, thank you. Yeah. And it comes into the culture quite a bit, right? And so Nora's mom, who I've mentioned, has a very strained relationship with her daughter. Right. Really wants her to develop a sand gift, right? And Nora's mom thinks that the less love Nora feels, the more likely she is to develop a sand gift. So that comes into play heavily as well. Okay. So that's definitely an interesting way of doing things I've never actually thought about. But it does kind of make you sit there and go, huh, a world <laughs> with anti-love everybody's yes. anti-love so yeah. that they have the abilities mm -hmm. so implications with that yeah now i've read that in some of the reviews like i said i've went through your reviews just recently and i remember there's two of them in fact that stick out to me where they said that they read the book to their kids and mm -hmm. it's written so it's written for kids for young adults mm -hmm. but it's written also in a way that adults can really get into the story as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Was that kind of your intention or did that just happen? No, that was definitely my intent and is my intent with all my books. I want anyone to be able to enjoy it from teenagers and up. Right. Cause I think even as you're an adult, you really relate to that time of life and discovering who you are. So young adult books are definitely not just for young adults, but I right. love that adults and teens can read it together and enjoy it together and discuss it together, that parents can um, share this book with their kids and feel good about reading it together because it is a clean book. And I always want my writing to be clean. 
though there is romance, um, it's definitely a clean, sweet kind of romance, which is that's good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm pretty big into having clean books, especially with two kids of my own running around. You kind of you don't want them picking up something and going, "What's this?" Absolutely, I want my kids to be able to read my books. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that's kind of my problem. Is I wrote my books before my kids, and mm-hmm. I won't let them read them until probably after they graduate. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, especially considering some of them have stories of things I did when I was in high school, and I I don't want them to learn some of those things I've done. Yeah, yeah, like when you're older. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what really. I guess the question I have is what really is the villain of your story? Because every story has to have a villain. Mm -hmm. You said that they're about to go to war. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific person? Is it the environment? How did you incorporate a villain into your story? Yeah, great question. So, of course, the environment is a major antagonist because they are fighting against this famine and trying to fix things. You know, why are the sandstorms coming in unpredictable? predictable times, etc. Why are things so bad? So the environment is a major antagonist, but there is also a warfaring tribe who lives on a nearby plateau, right? Who war is what they know. They're very, very good at it. Um, and since things have gotten so bad, they've really turned to pillaging and plundering other plateaus. So you get the sense in the story that Nora's plateau is next, which creates this urgency to her quest, right? Because if she can find the artifact, the, this moonstone, right, that's going to correct everything and right everything in the environment, then hopefully this warfaring tribe won't have a reason to go to war. Um, so there's kind of there's three points of views in Oceans of Sand that you get. You get Nora's point of view, Zadok's point of view, and then my third main character is named Imraith, and he is the leader of this warfaring tribe. So he's the same age as Dorian Zadok, which is about 17, 18. Um, and he is the one with the heart condition. So he's an extractor, which means he takes energy from the sand and he has to do it to keep himself alive. So in this warfaring tribe, that is extremely frowned upon and looked down upon. Weakness is not tolerated, but because of certain circumstances, he is the leader of this tribe. Um, So that was very interesting for me to write kind of what he's going through and feelings he is feeling, trying to be the best leader he can and just trying to help his people get through this difficult time um, and feeling like he's not good enough, right? He's not enough, that he's weak because he needs to extract from the sand to keep himself alive. Um, So he's a main character and he's kind of swept up and caught up in the war and everything going on by his two counselors. They're the ones kind of pushing for war and like, hey, we have to raid. We have to take from others to keep ourselves alive. We have to do this. We don't have a choice. And then there's the general of his army who is named Tysian. And he, I would say, is my main antagonist. He's very, very strong in sand shaking and manipulating. So he's very gifted and powerful. Um, And he he wants to save his people by taking from others and killing others. So you're introduced to this warfaring tribe when they are attacking another plateau. So not Nora's plateau, but you get to kind of see that they're really good at war. They know what they're doing. They attack 
and kill all these people, basically murdering this entire plateau and taking their resources so that they can survive. Um, and then they capture any absorber, so the healers that they find, because Imraith, the leader of these warfaring people, is looking for healing. He's trying to get his heart condition healed. Um, so he's also got a romance subplot in his character journey. So the, the absorber they capture from this plateau actually turns out to be a beautiful young woman who, of course, hates him. Because <laughs> she, he's attacked her plateau, um, but she's captured and taken back to Imraith's home and forced to try to heal him. So that's kind of that's kind of my antagonist and his journey. Okay. Yeah. So did you actually base these warfaring people off of any cultures? Because I'm thinking of a couple of different cultures that it sounds similar to. Not the the leader, but the um, the plundering and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is there a culture or a group of people from history you pulled that off of? Or is this a creation that you've came up with? Um, there's not a specific culture that I took inspiration from. Um, but rather a lot of different ones. I did some research into history and what a warfaring and pillaging tribe looks like and what they do. Um, I did research into what their armor and weapons would look like kind of in this desert um, culture. So, so I had fun with that. That's a little bit more where my science background comes in to trying to make the culture feel real. All right. Now, speaking of weapons and things like that, is this a advanced technology world? Is it bow and arrows, swords, or what level of technology is this story set with? Yeah, good question. Um, so definitely not modern day. It's more kind of set in the past, almost like maybe Lord of the Rings era-esque. Um, All right. Yeah, so they mostly fight with like spears and shields, right? They use the sand, obviously, to fight a lot. Um, and their weapons are all made of quartz because that's the material they have re- readily available, right? Is sand that they right. can use quartz. Mm-hmm. All right. So the shapers, the people, the forgers are the ones that are usually creating the weapons, then I assume. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, how. I guess, how involved is the cast of characters once Nora goes on her quest? How much of their stories or their involvements are there in the story? Like Nora's mom, the um, other people surrounding that they know. Is there a long list of characters or is it just as soon as she goes on her quest, it's her and the guy and the villain and those are the things that you basically are focused on. Um, yeah, when she goes on her quest, it pretty much becomes Nora and Zadok and Emraith, because those are the three viewpoint characters who we see through their lens. So we don't know what's happening in Nora's home because she's not there. She's on her boat with Zadok in the middle of the ocean of sand, trying to stay alive, trying to fight off the dangers of the ocean of sand. Um, and she's worrying about her, her family and her friends at home, right? And we don't know what's happening to them. She has a general timeline of kind of how long their food will last and when they think um, the warfaring tribe will attack. So she's kind of got a little bit of a deadline, like we've got to make this journey 
as quickly as we can so we can save our people. But yeah, she doesn't know um, what is happening and what's going on. All right. So with that, I don't want to go give away too much, but you said you have your second book starting to be edited, to be coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Is there any hints or insights you can give us onto that book? Does it still involve yeah, Nora and Zadik or? Oh, yeah. Nora and Zadik will definitely come back. Um, and the girl, the absorber who Imraith takes hostage, she gets a viewpoint in book two. So that was very fun to write as well. Kind of what she deals with in the aftermath of her home being destroyed, right? Like there's a lot going on there and her journey of healing. So that's a major focus of book two. Um, I can't, I can't give away too much, but it's going to be called Dunes of Water, which I love. I came up with that title with my writer's group and my editor as kind of a opposite to the first title, right? Oceans of Mm -hmm. Sand, Dunes of Water. Um, And they actually have to cross the ocean of water, right? So you can imagine what dangers they're going to face with that. If the moon is pulling the sand into waves, what will the ocean of water be like? So I wanted to explore more of this world, kind of see more of what's out there and what would, what will happen. So that's what's book two. All right. So they're going to be exploring into outside the the sand world mm-hmm. and possibly finding other civilizations, maybe your animals and all these different things. Yeah, and, and of course there's another antagonist and a whole nother journey that Nora has to go on. Um, and she kind of wrestles with, um, now that she's accepted who she is, uh, how she was treated in the first one and how that was not okay. So that's um, more of what we see of her journey in book two. All right. So book two sounds a lot more like a healing. Yeah. Doing things like that. And mm-hmm. then do you have a plan for any more books? Are you having some ideas of what you plan on going to after this dual series these two books are out yeah so oceans of sand and dunes of water wrap up nora's story really nicely so Mm -hmm. probably nothing more with her i don't think but i'm also working on a novella in the same world that i'm actually going to give away for free to my newsletter subscribers at jessicaflory.com that i'm really really excited about so it's almost an origin story. It's set far in the past, kind of where the sand gifts came from. And that is going to be called The God Heist. So the main character of this novella actually has to steal the sand gifts from a god. Um, So I'm really excited about that one. I think it'll be a a really fun. And it's just a short little novella. It's about maybe a quarter of the length of Oceans of Sand, but it's a fun little story and I'm really excited about it. Well, good. It sounds like you have a lot going on with that, and there's a lot of adventures to be read and kept up on. Yeah. So, Jessica, I do appreciate you being here. I've enjoyed learning a lot about your book, and yeah. I so suggest much. it sounds like something that people should be going out and grabbing. Like I said, right now it's been out there for two days at the mm-hmm. time of this being aired, so anyone listening to it now should be able to be the first in line and tell other people that they found it first. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. With that, thank you again for being on. I want people to know that I have a profile of you on authorblurb.com where they can find out your social media, your website, a little bit about you as well. But where do you plan on having, I shouldn't say plan, 
Where do you prefer people to reach out to you to get to know you if they want to ask you questions? Where's the best place to do so? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my website, Jessica Flory, that's F-L-O-R-Y.com is probably the best place. Signing up for my newsletter is a great way to stay up to date with what's going on, what's coming out and when. And like I said, that free novella will be on there soon. Um, I'm also on Instagram at the handle Jessica Flory author. And I love posting just goofy author videos and videos of my kids and whatnot. So those are great places to connect with me. Sounds perfect. So this is going to be the end of our conversation for everybody else. But if you can hold on, I would like to talk to you a little bit more. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. So thank you for making it this far. Remember, you can go to authorblurb.com where there's plenty of stuff there for you to find. Enjoy another author. Enjoy finding that book that you love. So take the time. Do me a favor. Share. Subscribe. Enjoy the show and tell others. Thank you.